Blog Talk Radio. December 18th, 2015 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and sometimes culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and I see a number of you joining me here in the chat room. Welcome, Jean, Trevor, Rob, Robert selfishness, Tim Peck. We have a number of guests in there as well. Good to see you all. Uh, We are going to do our post-debate debriefing today. It's number three, although I think there were four debates so far and I missed one of them. And in fact, I was thinking I might have to miss today. Um, I'm going to commit a sin of radio today. I'm leaving my cell phone on and the reason is I've got to call in to a doctor And if I get that call, I have to take the call. So I'm actually going to, in the middle of the show, if I get this call, I'm going to play you guys some music, take the call, and see what I have to do because I'm still dealing with post-surgery complications, namely uh, a probable infection that's persisting despite antibiotics. So a lot of fun. Anyway, so I'm going to do that, but but between all of that, we're going to talk about the debate, and there's some other stories that I want to discuss as well. If you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you can see all the links to the program notes and everything that I want to discuss. I did not, like last time, actually, you know, kind of copy and paste and embed a bunch of tweets from the debate the other night. Instead, I just gave you a link to my Twitter account. Do follow me, you know, if you're on Twitter, follow me on Twitter if you haven't done that already. But what I decided to do instead was just kind of go over and read. Uh, I read them over a couple times before the, the show, and we'll go ahead and discuss. But if you did follow the debate the other night, kind of the broad theme was just, you know, security, foreign policy, and there was a, a quite extensive discussion of bulk metadata collection, which I, as someone who wrote a dissertation on a right to privacy, I'm such a privacy geek, I loved to see this extensive discussion on bulk metadata. And I like to see where all the candidates stand on it. And if you did you know, follow either on Facebook or on Twitter, you saw that in my judgment, in that debate, the two people who stood out the best were Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. And why is that? Because neither of those candidates is a neoconservative in foreign policy. They both reject the idea of toppling dictators, 
going over there and trying to spread democracy and all this stuff. They say, look, focus on the bad guys, on ISIS, on Al-Qaeda, particularly ISIS right now. Focus on them. It is not our duty to go over there and topple all these dictators and get involved and have extensive occupations and all this kind of stuff. And particularly, don't arm our enemies, right? We think we're arming some allies, and then those people either end up you know, turning over the weapons to our enemies or they end up becoming our enemies in a later war. Both Cruz and Paul understand that. Everybody else thinks that we have to, we must topple Assad. So that was one clear distinction. And the other thing that Rand Paul and Cruz are unique in is uh, the issue of the bulk metadata collection and also encryption, right? Um, All the other candidates on the stage that night wanted to outlaw encryption like we have in our current iPhone devices. Thank you, Apple, for providing encryption post-Snowden revelations, right? They took up, they said, look, there is now a market for privacy, and we want to be one of the leaders in this. And there are other you know, companies as well that follow suit. But as people who listen to this show know, I'm an Apple uh, aficionado, I guess. So I, you know, I'm very happy with my encrypted device. I don't want a Carly Fiorina or a Rubio or a Jeb Bush or anybody else, certainly not Chris Christie, uh, outlawing this device in the name of security. Uh, I, I think that's completely wrongheaded. And similarly, bulk metadata collection, they all you know, keep touting the myth that if they collect it all, that somehow that's going to keep us safe. And the wiser people like Rand Paul and Ted Cruz know that when they collect data on everybody indiscriminately, that all they're doing is getting distracted by the sheer amount of data. And they're not looking at the data that really matters. Why? Because they don't want to profile. So Really, you know, again, in a, in a debate where you're just focusing on foreign policy and security issues and privacy, you're going to have the clear standouts of Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, and you're not going to have any of the things in the debate that would, you know, kind of make you not like these guys as much. Namely, there weren't any questions about abortion you know, or gay marriage or all the other issues that bother us. There was some discussion of immigration, and there is concern with these candidates on their policy on immigration. And we are going to talk about some of that. Uh, in particular, I think Pratik Talal for, um, actually, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, so he'll, he could call in and, and uh, you know, tell me whether I am. But he sent me a story about Ted Cruz's latest proposal in immigration, which is quite restrictive of H-1B visas and is of a concern to people in the tech sector in particular. So we'll talk about those issues as well. Um, Now, let's see what we got here going on in the chat room. Yeah, are we talking about Carly included? Does she want to outlaw encryption? Yes, Carly wants to outlaw encryption, and we will talk about it. Um, So, yeah, it is very sad. Uh, that so many of these candidates do want to outlaw encryption and that they do want to, quote, give the NSA the tools they need. Namely, they want to reinstate bulk metadata. And I think that Cruz and Paul are clear standouts on this. And this is why I think Cruz is just doing so well right now, because people are able to see through the neocon establishment. And, you know, there's other issues as well. But like I said, the big focus in the debate the other night was, you know, security, 
and privacy and, and also immigration. And a lot of the other stuff was a little bit of kind of interpersonal bickering happens. Gene <laughs> in the chat room says, ugh, bad Carly. Yes, exactly. Carly was really not impressive at all the other night, and we'll we'll talk about that as we go through. So if you do want to chime in on your impressions on the debate, by the way, anybody who calls in today, do not discuss Star Wars. Don't discuss Star Wars. Um, my listeners might not have seen Star Wars. I don't want any spoilers. But more important, I haven't seen Star Wars. So I don't want any spoilers. So if you call in, no spoilers. Otherwise, I don't know. We ban you for life or something like that. It would not be good. Now, if you want to just call in and say, I liked Star Wars, that's great. But if you, you know, come in with some kind of spoiler, I am not going to be a happy camper. So with that being said, if you do want to call in and talk about any of the issues, the stories that I've got posted at the blog, 760-888-5817 is the number, 760-888-5817. And I don't think my voice is much of an issue today, and I do have a cup of uh, hot decaf sitting here to kind of soothe me as we go through. So I think I'm going to be okay voice-wise and that the only hiccup that we'll have is a potential call from a doctor mid-show interrupting rudely. But anyway, that's uh, that's kind of how it goes today. Okay, so let's go on over. I'm over at my Twitter feed. And, you know, when they're first introducing themselves, we get Kasich right at the beginning. I don't know why Kasich is still there. Um you know, he, he insists, I guess, the biggest thing that he has to offer is all of his vast experience in Congress. And, you know, he cites that all the time. And in addition to that, that he's the governor of Ohio, and he says no Republican president has ever won without winning Ohio. And I guess he thinks he can win Ohio as a presidential candidate. I actually wonder that. <laughs> Trevor in the chat room says, why is your doctor not listening to the show? Well, uh, first of all, I don't know if my doctor would even like this show or even knows if I do a show. I don't know if doctors Google their patients and figure out what they're up to, but um, in some cases that could help you, in some cases that could hurt you, right? But I assume my doctor is working today. <laughs> I was able to call the office and put a message in. So, yeah, Um yeah, again, I don't know if that would help or hurt me with my doctor if my doctor actually listened to the show. I am very pro-doctor. Uh, oh, <laughs> Roger says he saw a Kasich bumper sticker on a car last night. That is interesting. Okay. Um, I, I just don't know. Anyway, he came in at the very beginning, and he basically tried to be the kind of, you know, mama bear or whatever. You know, can't we all just get along um, you know, we shouldn't be so divisive with each other. And he continued to do that. At one point, I uh, I tweeted that he and Fiorina both tried to play den mother, you know, when there was all this bickering amongst the candidates. And it's just this idea, you know, he's going to come in and tell everybody, oh, let's just all get along. Like, he's so important. He's this little pipsqueak on the stage right now. He He has no chance in any of the polls, as far as we can tell. And yet they still keep him hanging on. Um Trevor says he's is he some kind of hippie doctor? Don't trust his herbal no, he's he's not at all a hippie doctor. Um in fact is maybe my next step is gonna be, you know, some, some big time antibiotics. So no, not at all. Um <laughs> let's not talk about medicine anymore. Let's may actually hopefully let's get through the whole show without even the call happening until after. 
Um, yeah, so, so, you know, what does Christie come in with? Christie comes in with, I'm a formal federal prosecutor who has fought terrorists and won, so therefore you should trust me. I instituted a new drinking game the other night that you should, whenever you're watching one of these debates where Christie is present, you should drink a shot every time that he says he's a formal federal prosecutor. And he also invokes 9-11 a lot, so you could really have some fun with that as well. But he just does that incessantly, and it is very annoying. But he did something even worse that we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, Fiorina, she's angry at what's happening with the nation. She can have, she can solve problems, but we need a tested leader. The whole night, Fiorina was about, I'm a tested leader. I made difficult decisions as an executive. All these other people, were well, not all of them, but at least some of the leaders, right, the Rubio and the Cruz, she took shots at them because they're just senators and they haven't made, quote, executive decisions like she is. She clearly played the sex card, right? She came in and she even uh, had some quote about, you know, if you want to uh, have something talked about, ask a man. But if you want something done, ask a woman. Um, she invoked Margaret Thatcher. She kept, you know, po- you know, kind of positioning herself as the natural opponent of Hillary Clinton, just because Clinton's a woman. Um, I was not impressed at all, not to mention the substantive positions that she wants to topple Assad and everything else. But, you know, these are just some of the themes that you get over and over. I've been much more impressed with her in other debates. Uh, Jeb Bush, he says some things that sound okay, but they're very vague. And you know that if you kind of peel layers of the onion, you're just getting the same worn out, establishment neocon kind of position on this. Rubio comes in, and of course, Rubio, the thing that attracts people to Rubio, as far as I can tell, is his positive-sounding message. You know, he is distraught, basically, that we might be the first generation to leave things worse than they ever were before for our kids and grandkids, and he wants to lead us into a bold new 21st century that is going to be better and brighter, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of it sounds very good, but to me, it's it's getting kind of tired. And then when you actually look at the substance of his policies, a lot of it is just more of the same. And he strikes me as very much establishment. And that is not going to get us into a better phase. It's not going to put us on the path. So if you think, who sounds? you know, kind of the most optimistic in the platitudes and stuff. Oh, yeah, sure, it's Rubio. But who is most optimistic if you look at the substance of the policies and what direction it's going to put the country in? I would say that's Cruz, maybe even Rand Paul to some extent. But I don't know that I fully trust some of Rand's, you know, Rand Paul's positions on foreign policy if he would be as strong against ISIS, for example, as a Ted Cruz would. But Rand Paul sounded really good to me the other night as well, in contrast to all of these other kind of neocon establishment people on the stage. I do have a call. I'm going to go ahead and grab it. Let's hope this is not a Star Wars spoiler. Hi, who's Hello. this? Hello? Can you hear me? I can. Oh, hi, Amy. Uh, this is Harold, right? Yeah, this, this is Harold. The one. Yeah, I posted that thing. It wasn't, as, it wasn't everything I thought it was going to be, you know, about the... Um, the campaign that Cruz is running right now and how he's using the Obama-style uh, machine, uh, New Age uh, data, to run his campaign. Right. 
but he is also running a conventional, standard, old-fashioned, on-the-ground campaign, and that was not in that audio. I thought it was going to be in there. So he's got a dual approach going right now. So he's using all the churches, he's using all the conventional mechanisms, plus he's using social media. So right. doing doing really well. He's underestimated in Iowa. The numbers, the polls, absolutely are not reflecting what's going on there right now. Um, uh, Carson is fading. Yeah, he's consolidating. Yeah, Carson, Carson, I think, is definitely fading. The biggest mistake that Carson made the other night is that he punted completely on the bulk metadata issue. There was the debate going on between Cruz and Marco Rubio about this. And, you know, Rubio's on the side of let's, you know, reinstate the bulk metadata program. We lost this valuable tool, blah, 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 blah. And Ted Cruz says, no, no, we did not. And in fact, what that USA Freedom Act, I think is what it was called, um, you know, it uh, actually kind of increased access to data, but of course put restraints on the access to the data. And um, I think it also gave some more powerful tools to go after the terrorist target in particular. And so, you know, there was actually a clear issue that Carson should have taken a position on. And he says, oh, I don't want to get involved in the fight or something like that. Completely punted. Um, it would well, be very has, valuable to know, you know, what he thinks. He, he has no knowledge. He can't get involved. He doesn't even know where to start. Yeah. And you know what he um, you know what he did is he lent, he lent credibility to what Christie did. Because did you uh, did you watch the whole debate, Harold, or no? Yeah, no, I watched the. I even watched the undercard. Oh, wait, I, see, I didn't. I didn't watch the undercard. I have only so much yeah. patience and stamina. You didn't. You didn't miss anything. Usually you don't, but sometimes you do, and then you could go back and get some highlights or whatever. But this time I just stuck with the main debate, and that I find exhausting because I go through and I'm I'm almost stenographer most of the time, and then I put some commentary. My ratio of stenography to commentary this time I thought was a little uh high and I yeah, would like the to The main debate yeah. was too long. It it, they, it they was ran, long. It ran they, too they long. Need to, they need to they need to condense the number of candidates. But anyway the thing that Christie really, really annoyed me, um I don't I, it might have been after Carson punted on the issue of the bulk metadata. He this is when he says, okay, he he's gonna look straight at the audience and speak straight to the audience and he says to the audience, I bet your eyes are glazing over, you know, this is just some academic debate, in effect, he's saying. And, and you know, oh, it's okay if you don't understand it. Um, it shouldn't really concern you. This is, you know, kind of the ethereal stuff that the people in the Senate debate and how silly and, and oh, you know, you little people don't have to worry about it. And then, of course, what he wants you to do is trust him as a former federal prosecutor to tell you that the NSA has to have all these tools, right? Um, it was really, really horrible. I mean, I, I, you know, I always did not like Christie anyway, but I liked him even less when he did that. I mean, he's just talking down to us and thinking yeah, we Christy, can't understand it. Christie is using an old, tired line that he used to use in New Jersey, and he just repeated it. It's not fresh at all. He's used that so many times before. Uh, you, you just haven't seen it before. Um, I want to talk about Cruz just a little bit more. Sure, um, of course. Cruz, Cruz has his father. If you've ever seen any of the speeches his father gives, his father is fantastic. The guy is like a, 
as good as Cruz. And then you've got his wife, who's probably smarter and more political, you know, and, and more well-liked than Cruz. So you've got this whole team going. Plus, they're keeping their budget intact. They are very tight on their costs, and they have lots of money. And Cruz is doing sometimes 10, 15 events a day. I mean, this guy's wow. like a super workaholic. <laughs> um, and he's getting endorsements. You know, the big endorsements, he got Steve King. Then he got Bob Van der Plaats. And I was hoping he would get that because I knew that was going to totally swing Iowa, and he got it. And then he got the endorsement of Justice Thomas's wife. Now that's right. a very she's a very interesting person because there's a there's a similarity there between her and I don't think Edith Efron's still alive, but Edith Efron's husband was originally from Haiti, so they had a sort of a, a mixed racial marriage. Mm-hmm. And so when Justice Thomas was in front of the this goes back a long time, when he was in front of his confirmation hearing and they started all the sexual innu- innuendo racist attacks against him and the Republicans didn't defend him, in fact they even joined in. Um, Edith Efron was incensed and she wrote an article about it and then when Justice Thomas bumped into her at some event he knew exactly who she was because they shared like a similar profile in terms of his you know him and his wife and her and she was one of the people that used to meet at Ayn Rand's house on Saturday evenings part of the, hmm. the group that was nicknamed the collective Right. So she wrote a book. She wrote a book together with William E. Simon. You probably may not know the name. He was the Treasury mm-hmm. Secretary in the Ford administration. Very okay. hardcore capitalist guy. And he wrote a book. And the name of the book was A Time for Truth. <laughs> so exactly the same name as the Cruz book. So Cruz right. must be aware of him. And so you have all these connections going back to libertarians, to objectivists, to the Christian community, to the national defense people that are not neocons and cruises all these threads are leading to him i don't see that with the other candidates cruz has got this he's at the center of of this universe with all these threads leading in every which direction you know so i see what i what i see in iowa he's going to win i have no doubt and what Mm -hmm. i see in new hampshire is the neocon slash rhino vote is splitting four ways you got christie Kasich, bush and rubio and Cruz is consolidating the conservative vote. So he may even get New Hampshire just because of this whole, just the way it works. It, it's all shaking out. So yeah, I'm, I'm very I mean, happy. The, the establishment machine, though, may do a job trying to get everybody to unify oh. behind Rubio, I guess, before New Hampshire comes to pass. Well, Bush Bush has a much better organization. Also, the Republican um, Party can do, they do all kinds of funny shenanigans they'll change the the meeting place at the last minute and not tell people they do all those kind of tricks to try to this goes on every don't be surprised this stuff goes on all the time it's nothing new you know but the people who know about it are prepared and get ready get ready to see a notice on the door when you get there that it's been moved to another place and it won't be posted anywhere except on the door so you have to physically be there to see that stuff like that goes on all the time Right, right. Anyway, now, here's a, um, here's a uh, question. Cruz, oh, Cruz, one, one other question. I'll ask you a Cruz, question. One, one question about Cruz uh, that is here in the chat room. Roger is asking, would condensing the number of candidates help Cruz? So if no. you had, no? Okay. No, absolutely not. This is the best lineup. The only one that helps Cruz, if you look, if you drill down into some of the 
the the polls at the second level down most people don't read the the 100 page things but even on this couple of pages down you'll see that cost the second cruise gets 55% first and second choice where the second choice is Carson or where Carson is the first choice and Cruz is the second choice. So Carson, I, I picked this up a month ago. I said Carson has to go away. That's the only way Cruz can go forward. And that's exactly what's happening. So Cruz is now finally in control and he is the only conservative left standing. I think this is working out very nicely. Also, the fact that he's more a libertarian and not not uh, neocon is, is a plus. He got the endorsement today also of Caroline Glick, you know, Jerusalem Post conservative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she was saying um, that Cruz will wants to sort of just go and smash America's enemies and come home, whereas uh, Rubio wants to build democracies, you know, Wilson style all over the world. So she exactly. favors Cruz as well. Exactly. So it's, it's this, this, is, this is great. I mean, because with Cruz, you you know, I mean, I would say that Rand Paul is saying nearly the same thing in these debates, but we trust Cruz to do what he says with regard to this foreign policy, whereas I think people are skeptical that Rand Paul would actually carry out as an, as aggressive a war yeah. as Cruz would. Yeah, last, last point. Look at Cruz's mm -hmm. body language. Pretty amazing. The guy is totally comfortable in his own skin. He is totally relaxed and in control of things. And you just notice it. You can see it, how, how, how in control the guy is and totally sure of himself. He knows that his numbers are better than, than what's in the media right now. He, when you do calling and you do polling, your own internal party polling, you know the data accurately within right. a few percent, much better than the public data that you see. So Cruz has all this information. He knows that he's going to take Iowa for certain. And okay. South Carolina, one, one last point, South Carolina. CNN did a poll in a movie theater with a whole bunch of people and asked who changed. A few of them changed to Christie. About 10 of them flipped towards Cruz. So I think he's going to take South Carolina as well. Beautiful. Now, um, one just observation for me from the debate, I saw, of course, Cruz was the natural target in this debate because he was the one who had jumped most in the polls from the last debate to this debate. Um, so he was probably ready and bracing for that. The other thing it seemed is that people had told him that he needed to assert himself more with respect to how much time he was given. My impression was that he was almost too much, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries of breaking the rules with respect to time and things like that. I don't know that it irked. I mean, there's people who don't like Cruz at all, and anything he does is going to irk them. I don't know if his being so aggressive with respect to time irked anybody in particular, yeah. but I noticed it. I noticed it. What about you? He did. He did get the maximum time of all the candidates, mostly because he did that. He broke some of the rules. But it was CNN, so he gets away with it because they're like the enemy, so to speak. Um, Carly Fiorina, one, one quick point. When she tried to merge Hewlett-Packard and Compaq's computer way back when it was happening, I was already throwing things at the TV right when it was happening at that time because you had a, comp a company that made precision, high-quality instruments for industry, and you had another company that made consumer items for the public. It were mm -hmm. totally two incompatible products that had nothing to do with each other, and I predicted failure right at the get-go, and that's exactly what happened. So that, no surprise to me or my friends, we all predicted the same thing. So I, I'm, I have no respect for her. I don't think she's very knowledgeable about business. You know, I just... 
I mean, obviously, I, I can't be a judge about her business expertise, but I've heard the same thing that you're, you know, saying from other people. For me, just watching her in this debate, I found her not to be impressive. Whereas in prior debates, I thought she was pretty good. And I don't know if it's because she's using the same old lines, and I got tired of them, or also it's just it's her substantive positions on privacy and on you know this nation building neocon dictator toppling ambition you know yeah um, anyone anyone wanting to encrypt a message can encrypt it outside of the iphone make a file and send the file so it really doesn't matter people can do second level third level fourth level encryption nobody can get it just because you get the top level doesn't mean you get all the lower levels so it's pointless the whole thing's a waste of time the government needs to employ old-fashioned detective work at the human yeah. level and this is the only way they're going to get in Right, right. You know, the the one thing that she did say correctly on that issue is why is our government not looking at public social media posts of these, you know, people on watch lists and terror suspects, et cetera? There is no reason at all that our government mm. shouldn't be thoroughly combing anything that's publicly available. I mean, it's ridiculous to imagine that, and this is the kind of stuff that's been coming out in the last yeah couple of weeks, you know, since the San Bernardino atrocity. Um, none, of that that stuff, our... none of that right. stuff is encrypted. None of it, that stuff is, they, these people are not even trying to hide. They're doing their jihad right out in the open. And by the way, smashing ISIS doesn't really help us. We have about seven or eight organizations. The center of the octopus is the Muslim Brotherhood. The leaders have mm -hmm. all moved to Turkey. They have, they have sanction in Turkey. And you have wow. you, you can run through the names of all the different organizations, but you have to simultaneously, like like uh, Yaron Brooks says, you have to simultaneously attack all of them at once and smash the whole thing. You can't just attack one at a time. It's they just it's like whack a mole. They'll just right. pop another one with a different name will pop up. It's a waste of time. Right, right. Now, and and what you're saying, if they've moved into Turkey, is quite disturbed to be a NATO ally and all this stuff too so this is bizarre um anyway i appreciate Thanks your, your call time. harold I, yeah i appreciate the inside perspective on the political angle very much you take care okay okay so we've got a lot of positive news if it is indeed that you want cruz to win like i said cruz was definitely to me the most impressive in the debate but one of two candidates that came across as most impressive in this debate. Why? Because it was exclusively focused on these issues that don't have to do with religion and, it, and its influence, not directly anyway. There was one question that was asked of Christie uh, about religion, and it was to the effect of, you know, would you, Chris Christie, uh, kind of pull your punches in foreign policy because the Bible says that you should treat people a certain way. I think it might actually it may have been about admitting refugees or something like that. And Christie said no, you know, he would not defer to the ethics of the Bible in making decisions about American security. So that was good for him. Um I like that. So now I've got another call and I think this one is Ed and I know that Ed saw Star Wars, so he better not give us a spoiler. Let me go ahead and take this call. Is this Ed? Hey. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hey, how, I how are you doing? I recognize uh, area code, Ed. Ah, 
You mean you don't have my number memorized by now? I've called I do so not. I mean, I've got your area code memorized, and I figure, you know. <laughs> I see. Good. Wait, when, I, when I get really popular and I have a whole bunch of people from your area code calling, then I'm going to have to start memorizing your number. That's it. This is the serious area code right outside of Washington. Okay. Um, yes, I, I like Star Wars uh, quite a bit, uh, so it would definitely go see it. If you haven't seen it, I, there's really no excuse for you of not seeing it. But if you don't see it like tonight, then uh, we can't be friends. I mean, come on. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, it was, so uh, no, it was, you, it was a lot of fun. You didn't call in to talk about Star Wars, right? No, no, no. I called in to talk about the debate. Uh, I wanted you mentioned the H-1B visa issue, and I wanted to talk uh, briefly about that. Um, so, if you wanted to say something first, um, sure. Please. So, so as I understand it, Cruz is proposing to put further restrictions on the use of H-1B visas. And one particular restriction that I saw was that if you're going to bring somebody in on it, then you have to pay at least $110,000. And so this is supposed to be a discouragement because the idea is that you could bring these foreign workers in and pay them less uh, compared to American workers. So he is clearly, and you know, if you go and look at his little summary of his immigration policy, I put a link to that Mm -hmm. on the program notes today. If you look at the summary, he talks about favoring Americans with respect to jobs. So he clearly is doing well, a little me, bit of a protectionist kind of bent on immigration. Yeah, let me let me explain a little bit about the H-1B visa program, because I think uh, there's a lot of stuff in the press uh, that is accurate, but it's not the whole story. So nope. let's, um, let's say Facebook goes to some foreign country like India and recruits a computer programmer. That's kind of the the tech kind of uh, use case for H-1B visas. And they end up paying them like half what they would pay an American worker. And the Indian is happy and Facebook is happy. Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, that's like the free, that's like the free market. I mean, well, how can we possibly uh, uh, object to that? Right. Uh, but what, what happens is the, the new worker comes over to Facebook. He works for a couple of months and he realizes he's getting paid half the uh, wage that the other people around him are being paid. And if, and he does quality work and he now has a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, um, work under his belt and, and, and whatnot. And if you took a job or if I took a job and I was doing good work and I found that I was being half being paid half the wage as the guy sitting next to me doing the same job or the, the woman across the hall, uh, what would you naturally do? Well, you'd go and look for another job, right? Right. Uh, you, you'd, you'd, go, you'd go to Apple and say, hey, Apple, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'm really good. You know, I've been working at Facebook for a couple of months. They really like me. Why don't you pay me, you know, 98% of the, or 96% of the wage? The problem mm-hmm. is that the H-1B visa is tied to the employer. So the person cannot change jobs. They're locked into that job. They are, in fact, an indentured servant. Mm. Their only option is to leave the country and go back to, you know, uh, Helholistan. Right. Um, so, so basically, they have to put up with whatever crap, whatever abuse, and there is abuse in the sense of, you know, may, uh, just treating them rotten in, in a lot of companies. I've read a lot of, of of the abuse of treating these people. And the, the problem is 
what if we actually had a free market? What if there was a free market that said, um, okay, uh, you know, you come over and you and you're a programmer for Facebook, and you're and you you thought you were happy because you were making a lot of money, but it turns out you were making half as much as everybody else. Mm-hmm. In a real free market, you would you would go and you would go work for Google or Apple or whatever, right. and you'd drive. You would you would drive your wage way up. Now you would drive the average wage a little bit down. You know, I mean, instead of, you know, on a scale of zero to hundred. Uh, you know, you might be working for 95, 96, 94, something like that. And that would drive the wages down from 100 to, to 94 on the scale. So, I mean, there mm-hmm. is, the, there would be some driving the wage down. But what would actually happen is no one would hi- go to India and hire you. I mean, no one would bring you in. And the only reason they're going to India or, or any of these other countries and recruiting these people for these H-1B visas, is because they know they can treat them like crap and pay them half the wages. If it mm. was actually a free market, if it was in right. freedom, they wouldn't do that because there would be no advantage to doing that right. because the person they, they when they came be over would immediately they would switch be locked up. There, they could go to competitors. That's exactly right. So it's a way, it, it's a way of imposing indentured servitude on these people. Now I have, you know, you, you know, I'm not a, an open borders type, but even even if I was, the 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 solution to this, I mean, I don't think necess- I think the program should be abolished completely, but I, I don't think Cruz's, um, I don't think Cruz's policy, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to agree with that because that's like one control trying to offset the negative effects of another control. We all know where that goes, but um, I, I did want people to realize that. Um, yeah, Zuckerberg loves H-1B visas because he gets good people at half the wages that he would ha- have to pay in a free market, mm-hmm. not to Americans, although that's also true, but in a free market. It's an unfree market indentured servitude. And, and, and so abolishing it completely would be my solution uh, to, the, to the problem. Or simply making it so that they can, that it's not tied to a single employer and that the person can uh, switch jobs, in which case no one would use the program, which would be fine too. Right. Um, so right. I, did, I did want to make that, I did want to make that point because I think there's a lot of confusion on this issue because yeah, you hear a I lot mean, of tech companies. Hmm. We love the tech companies. We love them. You know, we love Apple. We love mostly Google. You know, we love them and their products. We use Facebook and whatnot. And if the tech companies stand up and say, oh, my God, we, we, we need this program. It helps us and all that. you got to realize that it's a, uh, it's a cronyist handout to them. And it really does injure these people who come over here for, you know, three, six years, something like that. You know, and this, this is the problem with making a lot of judgments about this, you know, particular issue, immigration, is that there is so much law and so many weird, perverse controls that – yeah. If, you know, Cruz has a certain position and then Rubio has another. I mean, so, for example, Rubio is for amnesty. And I guess, you know, the way the amnesty would work is you pay the fine and you have all kinds of background checks and you wait 10 years. And, the you know, I'm not necessarily against amnesty on the kind of terms that he's describing. And yet, apparently, Rubio was in favor of a bill where there would be a whole lot of increase in immigration and not adequate screening for security purposes. So that's terrible. So the way I see it is all these guys are very mixed on immigration. 
There's, you know, probably some good and some bad in each of them. And each of them is tinkering with a horrible system with all sorts of perverse controls already there. So I don't think the immigration issue is going to make or break me either way with any of these candidates. Do you agree? Well, I mean, I, I can't tell you what's going to make or break you. Uh, I do. I do. Well, um, I mean, what about for you? The, the, well, this kerfuffle that Cruz is in now about, you know, he supported this amendment, uh, that's a very interesting thing, too, because as I've said many times, even on this show, the Democrats don't care about improving the lives of uh, illegal immigrants. They don't care about bringing them out of the shadows. They don't care about, you know, all of the things that they say they care about, you know, compassion and, and uh, you know, anti-discrimination. None of that they care about. They only mm-hmm. care about new voters. And so when Ted Cruz noticed this and proposed an amendment to say, okay, here's an amendment. I'll give you Democrats everything you want. Come out of the shadows. They can stay. They can get green cards. They can, do, they can work. They don't have to, you know, they, you know, get all sorts of welfare benefits, even though they get it mostly anyway, except, except Democrats. Right. They never can get citizenship. So how about that? I'll give you everything you claim you want, but no <laughs> citizenship and no voting. And they right. voted it down, and Rubio voted it down. And that, right. and the, and they're, now they're using that to say, well, Ted Cruz uh, was backing amnesty. Well, I remember it at the time. No, but he's, he's doing clever. it as a litmus test, basically, right? This is politics. That's right. What right. What do you really care about, uh, liberals? You know, leftists. Do you really care about all these compassion things that you talk about? Or what do you really care about is getting the uh, new voters? And it turned out that it was a perfect encapsulation of what they care about. They only care about the voting. That's all they care about. Wow. They don't care about the rest of it. Now so they're attacking Cruz. He should be saying, praised well, he... to the skies for this, of course, but not because Rubio's out there spreading the smears. Well, uh, Cruz was on uh, Brett Baer the other night, and it was a, it re- truly was a disastrous interview. I, I'm, you know, of course, I love Cruz, but he, he performed terribly. He was stammering. And mm. the reason is that at the time when he produced this amendment, he was saying basically, you know, if you vote for this amendment, I'll support the bill. This is, this is great. You know, we can, we can get all these things. In other words, he was presenting it at the time like he was that, that, that this wasn't a ploy, that this was an honest, uh, you know, approach to the issue. Right. And now he's kind of saying, yeah, I know, but it was kind of a ploy. But he was either lying then or he's lying now. And Brett Baer called him on that and he didn't do very well because he doesn't want to admit, yeah, I was lying then because I just wanted to see, you know, no politician wants to do that. Right. right. They don't want to admit, yeah, yeah, I was lying. Um, and so it was, it was really, it, it, he took a hit on this. I, I, mean, I don't know that I see it as a line. It's like, I, I see that they're playing kind of a game of poker and he's bluffing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, he is. He's bluffing. That's right. That's right. Um, but he didn't have a very good interview on, on Brett Bear. I was very disappointed because yeah. usually Cruz is on top of him, but, um, Brett really, Brett really nailed him, unfortunately on this. Mm. So that may, that may hurt. Uh, you know me, I've, I'm in favor of uh, less immigration and, and, and better immigrants. You know, I'm better immigrants for America is kind of my uh, my take on the subject. So I, I don't think uh, uh, Cruz's position hurts me uh, liking him. I do think what Rubio 
did when he ran for Senate was say, look, you know, I'm not going to vote for any bill that gives uh, amnesty to illegal immigrants. And he went up and down the state of Florida saying he wouldn't do that. And as soon as he got in the Senate, he turned around and signed up to this bill that did exactly that. And so that, uh, that the issue is, I mean, the issue is important to me. It might not be important to other people, uh, but the, this, this particular type of uh, flip-flop um, does kind of bother me. And, and so far, yeah, Cruz I mean, has you not know, the issue, The issue of coming in and doing what you say you would do, because all, you know, what I'm taking these candidates on is the positions that they state that they're going to try to further if they become president. And with Cruz, from everything I've seen with his history, you can trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And we don't see that with Rubio in particular with the example that, that you just gave on amnesty. And this horrible omnibus bill that's being passed oh. now with all sorts of just and awful then Rubio, things. And Rubio skipped the vote, I heard. He skipped the vote on oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, how could he, how could he, uh, how could he vote for it and, and, uh, and remain in the race? I mean, it's just a real disaster. And it shows that Paul Ryan is not the great white hope savior oh, of the Republican no. Party. He's just no. one of the guys. Yes. And and that it, that is even more important that we get away from anything that even, you know, like a slightest whiff of establishment must be rejected, which leaves you with Cruz and Trump, basically. And if you yeah. are rational, that's going to leave you with Cruz. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Because Trump is crazy, right? Yes. Um, but... Any, it's anything a, else it's on a bad, the, bad on the situation. Um, no, I, I I enjoyed the debate. I watched it real time. I didn't um, I didn't tape it and watch it later. This is the first one I watched in real time. I, and I w- read your tweets in real time. I basically had 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 muted everyone in my Twitter feed except a few people who I knew wouldn't give me Star Wars spoilers, and you were one of those. So yes, so I, yes. I am reliable for uh, not giving spoilers. I have a no spoiler policy. Exactly. So I did read all of your uh, all of your uh, journalistic tweets during the debate as I was watching it. And yeah, doing most, work mostly mostly stenographer like. You know, I was looking through this, and it's mostly stenographer like. Probably as I continue to recover post surgery, I'll come back with more commentary. But it was just really good. Rubio you was know? so dishonest about the encryption and uh, and the uh, uh, metadata program. I mean, that's another thing. Uh, Rubio you know, was really worst, dishonest. The the worst thing that he did is he got stuck. Right, he could not answer Cruz, and so he implied that in order to fully answer Cruz about the value of the bulk metadata collection program, he implied that he would have to reveal classified information, you know, state secrets, whatever. Uh, in order to do this. And I understood what he was doing, you know, that he was just implying that. It's like, well, I can answer you, but I'd have to reveal classified information, and so therefore you shouldn't expect an answer from me. That's what he was doing. Some people took him as having accused Cruz of revealing classified information, and then there was that little kerfuffle about maybe they were going to investigate Cruz for doing that. But what a slime. What a slime ball. Yes, I mean that that is really slimy. I mean, you he could have said, "Look, this bulk metadata program is extremely valuable. It allows us to in real time, you know, uh trace terrorist phone calls if if we get a tip, we don't have to uh if there's a if the bomb's going to go off or attack's going to go, we don't have to go to a judge and get a warrant and take a day or two." Now, warrants, you're a lawyer. I have a friends who are lawyers. Warrants take 
an hour and a half, right? Maybe, you know, maybe if you're if you're bad. So it's not like that. But he could have gone on and all about this and said, you know, so I think I think this program was valuable and, and Cruz voted against it, and that's why I think you should vote for me. But that's not the tack he took. It was like, no, he's threatening us. He's going to make the terrorists more capable, you know. And uh, and and the, and the encryption thing, as your previous caller Harold said, is just appallingly stupid. I mean, it is. It's it's not only a lie. It's it shows that he has absolutely no knowledge of the technical content of the internet and the universe. Well, and okay, he's, so then there's it's just that, so right? Stupid. But but then but then what would Fiorina's excuse be? Because she supposedly should have knowledge of all this because she worked in the sector, and then here she is having the same position on encryption. I I can't talk uh, about Fiorina's um, position, I, whether she's lying or whether she's stupid. Um, okay. But she's it's one of the it's one of the two. Um, the other thing that really uh, bugged me about Fiorina, it was interesting. I think Blitzer asked her explicitly. You know, are you going to force these tech companies to kind of help the NSA? Um, and she says, no, she's going to ask them. And, you know, I tweeted out there, what do you mean government asking? Government, it's got a monopoly on the legal use of force in the whole country. There's so much power, potential power, that the government could just destroy any of these businesses. And they come up and they say, oh, we're just asking you. Please help us, right? And and we're gonna, we're supposed to buy that, that she's just going to go and ask. It was pathetic. It's like, it's like there's this conspiracy of silence that none of the Snowden revelations ever happened. It's, it's mm. like none, none of that documents that were released and put into Greenwald's book, which I've read, and uh, you know all over the internet, none of that ever happened. We're just going to ignore that. Don't don't mind that over there because that that never happened. It, it's just appalling. I mean, yep. it, I don't get it. I, yep. I honestly don't get it. And Chris Christie says, you know, oh, you little people, don't you worry your pretty little heads about this issue. <laughs> I just want to slap him, you know? It's, well, yeah, uh, I mean, it's like if you don't have anything to hide, why do you care whether we're looking at your phone records? And that, that's, a, right. that's exactly right. But the problem right, is most right. people have things they want to hide, you know? I mean, well, that, and then I you know, it's said, not illegality, just... Things you want to something like, um, you know, contra the Chinese, our government doesn't hide anything from us. And I almost fell over. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there was there were definitely yeah. some moments in this debate. Um, anyway. But you are absolutely right on the two basic ideas, which was Rand and Cruz got this issue right. And mm-hmm. Rand and Cruz got the... Um, we're not our. It's not our business to go abroad and nation build and spread democracy, right? Right. Those. I think those were the two big takeaways from this debate. And uh, and since Rand has. So see, I did, I did off, my commentary. I did my commentary piece after all because I did. I mean, this is these are the two essentials that I pulled out of the debate. And Cruz and Paul are head and shoulders. And in fact, I think we should be pleasantly surprised that we've got two Republican candidates who have a firm grasp on both of these issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll right, see I'll what happens. Go, hmm? go see Star Wars tonight. Or you're not going to be my friend anymore, huh? Well, I mean, I'm giving you one day break, right? I'm giving you 
And I'm not insisting you go yesterday. Right. So. Well, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to see what what today holds for me later in terms of medical stuff. So you may have to give me a further okay. break. We'll we'll, we'll talk. Um, thanks, right, thanks for thanks. playing it very much. And I'm going to go ahead. I've got another call waiting on the line. This is embarrassment of riches today in terms of phone calls. Let's see here. Who we have? Hi, who's this? Hey, it's Bosch. Hi, Bosch. How are you? Good. How's it going? It's going pretty well. We're having good conversations with uh, Harold. We got the full political angle. Yeah, and then we got stuff. some information on H1B visas from Ed. And but so now uh, we get when to... you know when that when that said Hell Holistan, you know, I coined the term. It'd be nice to get a little that's right, that's whatever. true. He should I mean, you know what I mean? I I, uh, yeah, I had I mean, a message. Oh. Hell Holistan is yours. Yeah, that's right. I, got, I coined Hell Holistan in the infield three and Hellistan. Like go go to Hellistan, I mean. <laughs> anyway, uh, after 32 years, Star Wars is back. After 32 years, unbelievable, unbelievable how long it took. Years. You, no you, you movies. keep making these comments, right? Um, no spoilers, comments? no spoilers, no spoilers. No, no, no. But it's definitely worth watching. That's all. That's all I'll say. Star Wars is definitely back after 32 years. Well, as soon as, just, as soon as my schedule and my medical no, condition... I, I, I have a question for you, because uh, I know you said the issue of um, the programs. What is megadata? What is megadata? Oh gosh! Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What is megadata? I, I know. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What do you mean? I'm asking. Uh, what is? What is? Because Mark Levin, you know, the uh, the host uh, who is the only host who to- sorry, not host, the only one in America or in the world who talks about our debts, as he said yesterday, last night's show. I'm right. the only one who does absolute BS. He he kept referring to the metadata program as a megadata, 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 and I'm like, is this guy serious? There's no. Well, here's no here's a question: is that is that some funny pun that he coined? Where no. I mean, cause no, it, I don't know because because then uh, he flipped and said metadata once, and then he had a Mike Lee audio at the it was a hearing where Mike Lee was very explicit, very clear metadata, and then he came back, he returned back to megadata. I think he has these little blips, these little ticks that really are. I find questionable. It's like, does this guy understand yeah, fully what he's saying? Certainly, he has the mind necessary to comprehend the issue of metadata yeah, it's, and it's why it's bad for it's our government mega. to even collect, now, you know, bulk metadata. Yeah, you, you can call it bulk metadata because it's a whole bunch of, but that's not what he meant. I mean, but anyway. And, no, I mean, uh, to me, it, w- it would be fun to use it as a joke, but if he's actually joke, mistaken only. about what it's called, right? Yes, because you know why? He's the only one who can discuss this issue with any kind of credibility, don't you know? I'm mm. sorry, but he's really become unlistenable, and I tried so to listen to him back then. It sounds like you need to stop listening to him, Bosh. Yes, I did. I deleted his, his podcast. I might, who knows, if he says something good. It's like Rush Limbaugh. I, I've not been able to listen to him. But he was so good about Islam recently in this one episode that Andrew, Andrew McCarthy, who uh, basically coached him, and he said some great, true stuff about Islam as mm-hmm. such. And then, you know, you listen to him again, and he goes, you know, uh, you know, we can't live without him and all that crap. It's just so unnecessary, and it undercuts the quality of the show. That's why the best thing about Rush Limbaugh is RushLimbaugh.com, where you, you can see some of the stories that he has, and his transcripts are so much better because you don't have to suffer through the arrogance of the Rush Limbaugh, you know, performance that he does on the show. Anyway, now let me uh, uh, let me let me ask you a you question. Talk, you were talking about the debate. You were talking about the yeah. debate. Rubio yeah, is yeah, a wind-up politician. Let me ask you. I want to ask okay? you. Um, I want to ask you a, a question. Wind-up politician. I, I want to ask you a question yeah. related to the debate. So, yeah. 
um, there's a difference on immigration policy between Trump and Cruz. So yeah. Trump says we should ban immigration of all Muslims, right? Yes. And Cruz says we should ban immigration from those countries that have a significant presence of al-Qaeda or ISIS. And, you know, for example, if there were Muslims that you were bringing in from India or something, that that wouldn't be as big a concern. What do you think uh, between the two? I don't know about that because the fact is you get European Muslims who can come here and do damage in European countries. And you, you get Americans who do damage in San Bernardino. The guy was American. So, you know, post 9-11, we should have cut it down, we should have basically stopped it cold. Post 9-11, right after 11 And that's why 15 years later, 14 years later, sensible uh, policies seem like they're extreme and out of bounds. When when Trump says that, Bush should have said that, right after 11 He should have said, okay, cold right now. There were countries, there was Saudi Arabia, 15 from Saudi Arabia, from Egypt, from other countries. Uh, Muslims have been killing Americans for decades now. We're going to stop it cold now. And then we're going to you know, destroy the enemy. And then maybe if you want to join a civilized world, we can let you in. I mean, seriously, at that point, because 3,000 Americans wiped out, should have right. called for that, should have called for nukes in Muslim countries. So, I mean, Iran and Saudi Arabia should have. They should have okay, been so, rewarded that. So then what so about... What about is, what, no, um, is, but 14 years later... When uh, Trump proposes that, and that, well, whether Trump is actually means that, I don't know. This guy says anything, so who knows if he means it. So Cruz, I think, is trying to be as reasonable as he can to say, look, there are countries that have Muslim terrorism, we should shut those down. And that's a good proposal. That's a common-sense proposal, and that's it. But what I'm saying is it won't stop Muslim terrorists. It won't. Yeah. You have to defeat countries who support Muslim terrorism. You have to go after the money men who, who support terrorism. You have to go go after the mosques in America that are supported by by the Saudis who breathe right. this kind of crap. Right. So it's it's a whole vast world. No, and, and this is you know at this least we could do that. Thing, one thing that was good to see was that there were a few candidates who explicitly decried the whole PC oh, yeah. ethos. You know the whole the whole PC ethos yeah. that prevents our government from doing the sort of investigating that it should. Uh, Fiorina, you know what? I love that. Fiorina, to her credit, did that. Ben Carson, to his credit, did it. And Cruz, you know, to his what credit. Is, I love that it's become a conversation to the point where Trump, who has never, ever defined this enemy, by the way, he's never defined the enemy. He goes, yaps, and says ISIS, right? Only now is Trump saying, quote, unquote, radical Islamic terrorism. Only right. now, and he's echoing and, Cruz. And this is where people... He's taking people, the lead from Cruz. Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll joke that, you know, people are joking that Cruz is the teleprompter for Trump, essentially. I mean, that's true. I mean, no, yeah. but Trump clearly picks up on Cruz because he knows Cruz, right? He knows Cruz does his homework, unlike Trump. Clearly hasn't done his homework. Okay, so, 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 so let, me, let, me, let me ask you about Cruz. Oh, I know one thing. Sorry, one sorry, just one, one thing. I love that this is becoming out in the open, a conversation where people aren't balking. They're like, right. okay, they're starting to accept these terms. Now, radical Islamic terrorism, it still sucks, but it's ten times better than saying this has nothing to do with Islam. Right. You know, in terms now, of politicians. That was, was one terms, question. Yeah. That was one question I have for you. So so for a politician, you think that's a good term? It's not a good term. It sucks. But for a politician, it is acceptable. It is understandable. Right. They are politicians. They don't want to offend and all that crap. But it is acceptable because this is a war. And from Bush saying Islam means peace, 
from Obama kissing Islam's ass to calling the enemy radical Islamic terrorism is light years ahead, even though it still sucks. (laughs) Okay. And then here's another question. Um, Again, I played stenographer a lot the other night. And Cruz at one point... I would want more commentary. Right. But, you know, I I really do think, and, and I think Ed, you know, corroborated this, that the essential commentary that needed to be made, I did make, which was that I singled out Cruz and Paul both for being non yeah. and for yeah. being uh, in favor of protecting our Fourth Amendment rights via Absolutely. the rejection of bulk metadata, via no, the you know, and, rejecting and the whole idea. Of I think they represent the bulk. I think they represent. I think they represent the bulk of Americans, the vast majority of Americans. Rubio, right. that's, a, that's, a, that's a small position. That's right. a tiny and, position. I mean, it's kudos. A, yeah. Listen to this. Kudos to CNN for bringing these yeah. issues to the forefront yeah. in this debate. It was yeah. very substantive. Very, very substantive. So, so here, let me, I let me ask this question. Into it because, of, because of the San Bernardino, I think they were forced into it. They had to get serious. But anyway, go on. No, right. So here's the, here's the question because I'm you know giving you a fairly accurate, almost near transcription of what Cruz said on this one issue. He says, with respect to Islam, he says, it's not a war on faith. It's a war on a... Let me finish. Okay. It's not, a, it, it's not a war on a faith. He says it's a okay. war on a radical political ideology that seeks to murder us, end quote. Now, it, it, it may not be exact, you know, exactly 100%. I did the very best I could. But that's essentially what he said. He is dividing the ideology that motivates Look. the enemy radical political ideology versus faith, which is something you Look, often disagree with, right? Yes, of, of course. But listen, if Bush came out after 9-11 and said, I have no idea what the hell Islam means, but I'm going to destroy this enemy, wipe them off the face of the earth, he doesn't need to know. Do you know what I'm saying? Wipe this enemy out, and then you could deal with the intellectuals, maybe they could come out and study it, and then maybe he could be informed after the fact weeks, months later. At first, mm-hmm. but the idiot comes out and said, Islam is peace. He undercut our entire war, the, right. the, the ideological war, first of all. So Cruz, you know, he's a politician. And for politicians, you expect them to not be as honest as human beings. They're politicians. That's what they are. So, right. But still, he's the best of the best among these guys. You would love to hear a guy say, I, I've read the Quran, Islam is evil. This enemy is completely in sync with Islam, but not all Muslims are evil. We're not going to go after all Muslims, but we absolutely will go after those who take it most seriously. A politician can't say it today. He just can't. The, the public would be like, what the hell are you talking about? You're going after all Muslims, blah, 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 blah. You know, as they call me, they call me racist, they read him in a book. Right. So from his position, as a politician running for president, we've got to keep it in mind, he's running for president in United States of America at a time where you have a president who kisses Islam's ass every single day. That is the standard right now. The standard right. is Barack Obama. If that's right. the standard, then Cruz is doing a great job. Well, that, and, and, and it's, not, it's not just that Obama is the standard. We're comparing Cruz against everybody else that was on the stage, yes. and he is exactly right. so much better than and any of them. Yes. He is. I mean, look, you know, uh, uh, I'm not crazy about on the this, campaign. On this issue, on this issue, right? You know, because you, you, everybody's, yeah. again, like I said, this particular debate was focused on issues where most of us would agree with everything that Cruz is doing. He is clearly yeah. head and shoulders above all these candidates. 
in other debates, if they started talking about abortion and gay marriage and everything now, else, it would maybe be a different mind, story. You know, when I when I give a cruise a semi pass about using language that I dismiss it, but and well, the fact mm-hmm. is, he's a politician or a president, is an intellectual who has no consideration about trying to appeal to anyone, trying to kiss anyone's ass, comes out and uses those terms, that is absolute BS. Right. That's BS. Okay. A politician does it, it's understandable. Right. Uh, because, again, uh, I don't expect politicians to be honest. I really don't. And, and, and we get Cruz to be as honest as he is about the major issues. That's incredible. It's great. Right. And that's why he is the most honest person on the stage, the most honest person running, possibly exactly. the most honest politician in Washington. You know, and yeah. still of he course, has to of course there's use certain language. And they think he's not. But this is, I, you know, I definitely agree with your impressions of him. Uh, Bosch, I well, do those, have well, another well, well, those, those, sorry, those who think that Cruz is not honest, tell me who else on that stage is as honest as Cruz. Give me a break. He's yeah, the most I honest. I understand, definitely. I've got another call that I'm going to go ahead and take, okay? okay? Um, so thanks very much for calling. I am going to try to get to that story that you sent, which is yeah, the one about uh, giving, giving those horrible Terrorist scumbags in a proper Islamic burial, which never should have been done. And, and which, which means, as I as I put it, I'll say it now, which means that our government connects Islam with Islamic terrorism by right. allowing them to be buried like Muslims. They are connecting Islam with Islamic terrorism. They're not dismissing them as anti-Muslims, non-Muslims. They are they're acknowledging them as Muslims. Who they say Islam. one thing, they so, say one thing, and they do yep. another. Entirely. All right. Yep. Thanks very Good much, Bosch. Okay. Great. Okay, I've got, like I said, this is Embarrassment of Riches Day because now I've got another call. Hi, who's this? Hi, Amy, this is Debbie. Hi, Debbie. So, how are you? Well, I am pretty tired just finishing up my last uh, work day of 2015, so <laughs> I feel the weight lifting off my shoulders. Um wow. just driving home early as we speak, so it's a happy day for me. <laughs> um, Excellent. Yeah, so I enjoyed the I enjoyed the debate and um, just wanted to chime in on the issue of Muslim immigration because I think Bosch made a good point about how yeah they can come uh, from anywhere. I mean you never you never really know which Muslim is going to be uh, a terrorist and, and which one is going to be kind of a quiet supporter of uh, terrorism or just a, generally of, of the Islamic movement. Um, and just to that point, I don't know if people are how aware they are that the person provided the gun for the San Bernardino attack mm-hmm. was a Hispanic man who had recently converted to Islam. I don't know if he's an immigrant or if he's just, you know, or he just has to be of Hispanic heritage or whatever. But the right. point is, uh, even if he had been um, an immigrant, he didn't convert to Islam until he was in the United States. And uh, so, you know, that and Jerome Brooke had an excellent podcast. Um, it was his radio show that he does in Chicago. And, you know, they make it available as a podcast talking about this issue. And he really kind of changed my thinking a little bit on the issue of Muslim immigration um, because... You know, when you consider those types of factors, such as that someone in the United States might be converted, and also what he had to say, which is that a country never uh, wins by building walls and 
tumbling down, essentially, that you have to go out there and destroy them in their territory. And that, yeah, right. during that conflict, if we were to declare war, then sure, it makes sense then at that point, during the course of the war, which would be very short if we were serious yeah. about it. If it was conducted properly, yes. Uh, yeah, so like during the, the 24 hours that it took us to wipe them out, we could go yes. ahead and ban Muslim immigration. And then once we finished, we could lift the ban again and um, and not have these ideological screenings, which he also pointed out are a danger. So, I mean... I yeah, no, and and I, I mean it's it's one thing to say okay ideological screening, and then it's another thing to say let's go ahead and do some profiling and some targeted investigation of people who are already here, living among us. This idea that there's this politically correct taboo that we cannot. I mean, this is you know Islam does have things to do with terrorism, and and as Bosch says, our government our government admitted it by allowing these horrible, horrible individuals to have a proper Islamic burial, um, that there is is this connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there was also, there was a bogus threat that apparently got emails to a school or something. I don't know all the details, but um, apparently they were able to identify it. I actually listened to Rush Limbaugh for a few minutes the other day, which I haven't done in like a year or two, and he was just happened to be talking about this. He said that the way they were able to identify it as a hoax is that Allah was not capitalized in the email, which means that it wasn't a true Muslim religion. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, so we're basically checking, we're that sure that it's, it's a, a Muslim that's going to be involved in issuing these kinds of threats that we would say, oh, well, he didn't capitalize Allah, and those are real Muslims, there's no chance that he would have sent an email without Allah capitalized. <laughs> so there is a sort of, like, on a practical level, people have to, to some extent, acknowledge that the, the Islam behind these acts of mm-hmm. terrorism and Islam is motivating our enemies. Um, so, yeah, I think that it would be, people, it would be a great idea to, Pay attention to mosques, focus on mosques, and Rubio's out there still defending this bulk metadata collection, but right. that didn't stop San Bernardino. What might have stopped it is if they focused on mosques where people who don't even necessarily have an Arabic background right. be like Also, you know, go back and, and look at their public social media posts. That was one thing that they did not do because they didn't want to do anything that was Islamophobic or profiling or whatever. But if somebody puts something out that's publicly available on social media, why in the world are we not using the best algorithms available to look at all that data? It's not even nominally private. They're posting it in public. And these guys all do that. They publish these now, mind you, mind you, I am, I am also. I mean, you know, obviously, everybody should be looking at the at the public, you know, posts on social media. But I am also perfectly fine with these programs where, like, the FBI comes and friends you on Facebook and then tries to see what your friends are and stuff. I mean, you decide what you share and with whom. And you know, who knows? I probably have a friend on Facebook who's. I mean, I don't know that I would, but. Um, suppose I did. It doesn't bother me very much. I mean, I'm all for law enforcement. They're usually good people and stuff. But, you know, 
the idea is you friend these people, you're sharing with your friends, and that that's this is what proper law enforcement investigation would look like. So let them do that. Let them look at all the publicly available media posts. They've got plenty of information that they could be a lot more effective with. They don't need our bulk metadata. No, they don't. And if they weren't so preoccupied with collecting data on, on you and me and 300 million other people, they might have actually had the bandwidth to notice the ones that were uh, planning an attack. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, another thing that I kind of struck me as interesting on a somewhat unrelated note was this comment you mentioned with Ted Cruz saying that Islam or that we're not at war with a faith but but with mm-hmm. a political theocratic ideology. Something to that effect that it's a mm-hmm. political thing that we're at war with. I just found that interesting because Ted Cruz is also pretty compartmentalized in terms of being very religious right. in a Christian sense and and then um, also being a politician with his agenda being separated or pretty pretty well separated as far as I can tell from religion. And and I, so I found it kind of interesting that he's got that separation of church and state is going on in his mind too, even in regards to Islam. Right, but I mean, I... Out. I see it I see it in a little bit more negative light because I see it along the line of many other comments where they want to say, well, Islam actually kind of isn't really a religion. It's a totalitarian political ideology. There's a lot of Christians who want to say that Islam isn't even actually a religion that it doesn't qualify why because it's not good like theirs is, you know. Um so I I read it sort of in that light. Yeah, I've heard conservatives say, well, Islam, I, I heard somebody say this like oh, a long time ago on the radio, uh, a conservative, Islam can't possibly be a religion because terrorism is not godly. Killing is not godly. Therefore, Islam is not a religion. Right. So that's total rationalism for what they, because, you know, the, the, somehow it's self-evident that, um, that there's a God and the killing is not consistent with what God's riches are, and then we can conclude from that that uh, QED, Islam, is not a religion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, the the way that you would talk about it in, a, like, an intro logic class is you'd say basically it's um, it's it's one version of the fallacy of begging the question, circular reasoning, where you're redefining something in order to make your argument go through. So you're redefining what qualifies as religion in order to be able to make this argument. And it's redefining it in a way to make sure that you get, you know, your conclusion. And that's just completely invalid. So um, what did you think of Fiorina? Were you as disappointed with her as I was in this debate? Yeah, she really was disappointing. I mean, uh, for one thing, she was kind of a one-trick pony and kept refraining with this, oh, I'm from the tech world, I'm from the tech world. And then the talk of encryption and wanting to use technological uh, approaches to, what, monitoring people more? That's kind of what it sounded like. Yes. And then, um, yeah, then saying, well, I'll ask the tech CEOs uh, to help out with science. So first of all, you're absolutely right. Government doesn't ask. And that was... Uh, so I, I hate 
president couldn't get the phone number of the CEO of Facebook or, or something like this. Right. He's the only one who can find these guys and that's their contact is I thought that was kind of ridiculous, too. Yeah. And uh, it shouldn't have that good of a reputation in Silicon Valley uh, anyway. So, um, yeah, she was very disappointing and um, that's too bad because I had kind of I had kind of liked her for a while there, but with some reservations. Well, and, and how lame? How how lame was it? You know, where she said she quoted some old saying of, you know, if you want to have something talked about, then give it to a man, but if you want something done, give it to a woman. That's terrible. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, it is. It is it's, it's sexist. It is a sexist thing to say. And it's just it's just like if someone. You know, if someone makes a comment about, like, on a racial standpoint, you know, kind of like reverse racism, like saying that, oh, we should exclude white people or Asians from getting tech jobs or whatever. It's the same thing. It's sexist just the same way reverse racism is racism. And and, and I thought it was also kind of a cheap, like, attempt to get herself to associate herself with factor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, by bringing up her quote, that that kind of occurred to me too. That maybe she's trying in her mind to associate herself with Thatcher, you know, people, uh, okay. the impression that they have of. Yep, I I just it's uh, to me it was it was sad, and I was not nearly as impressed with her. Um, any other uh, impressions of the debate? I do have one other call, believe it or not. I'm getting so many. Nice calls today, so I was going to take it, but um, I want to give you the last. I want to give you the last word. Everyone, check out Ted Cruz on Adam Carolla's show too. That was really great. Um, okay, enjoyed that. So excellent. That's all. Okay, well, you have a great break, Debbie. Congratulations on finishing your last official workday of 2015, and I look forward to talking to you soon. All right. So, bye. Take care. Okay, like I said, I've got one more call here that I'm going to go ahead and try to take. Hello. Hi, who's this? Uh, this is Pratik. Oh, Pratik. Okay, great. Thanks for calling in. So are you calling in about the H-1B visa issue? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I wasn't listening to the show, so I don't know if you've already spoken about it. We had talked some about it with Ed, and Ed was saying... Okay that there's a complicating factor with this in that, in in effect, the way it's set up now, if someone comes in on an H-1B visa, they're tied to the particular employer, which allows the employer to sort of abuse the employee, that it's it's not anything like a free market right now. And in effect, that whatever Cruz is proposing is like putting a Band-Aid on something that's already hopeless. So that was kind of the. Well, it's not not exactly true because let's say you join a company and the employer is abusive in some way, you still have the option to change employer. So I mean, I'm on H1B and I just got a job last week, a new one. So you know, it's it's very doable. Um, there is some paperwork involved, but it's it's not very um, restrictive. It's fairly easy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you you yeah. disagree with that? You think that you pretty much can come in here, so that you see what Cruz is imposing as a significant restriction on a market that should be freer. Oh, yeah. So what Cruz is proposing, it's like just terrible for 
pretty much just about any place other than New York City, California. Um, by California, I mean um, uh, San Francisco and L.A. So you leave right, these three places you're, aside. You're basically and, saying because yeah. the, uh, the 110000 would be a normal salary in those regions, but maybe not elsewhere. Is that the idea? Right. So, yeah. Um, like in Texas, you for level one and level two and level three employees, they don't get 110000 some places might give 110, but on an average, that's just beyond the range. Wow. So, so that yeah, means I mean, that if, you, if you need if you need engineers and if you can find local candidates and if you if you if you're planning to hire someone on H1B, then you can't. Right. <sighs> yeah, and so, it's just that you know, it's just that the engineers are needed in just like everything you can think of. You know, just there is no industry that. You don't need engineers for you could banking, medical, oil and gas, just just just, or just about anything. Not to mention Silicon Valley. So yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So so I mean, for you, because obviously this is a very important issue for you, and you've got the whole list of plus and minuses for a candidate like Cruz. What does this? Is this a deal breaker for you? Is this? Yeah, I was very mad the first day I read about this. But then I guess he's still pro-free speech, so that gives him some leverage. I don't know, just too many factors to consider. The good thing is I don't have to vote, so I don't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Right, because you're, cause you're here already, and so it wouldn't affect yeah. you, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, oh. it would. Um, I could still, in a way, it affects me in the sense that it, it now changes my some of the decisions I make, as in, you know, where I donate money and just, you know, who do I support vocally, but as such, you know, anyways, I don't vote. So, yeah. Okay. It's not going to affect, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. um, so, so um, anything else, like overall impressions of the debate or anything you want to talk about? Um, not really, but let me just make sure that I understand its concerns. So was this concern all, all about just that, since an employee, I mean, when an employee comes here tied to an employer that he may be subject to abuse, was that all of his concern, or did he have any other concerns? Um, I mean, that that was the the major idea that basically what we're dealing with is not really a free market, and my impression has kind of been that however any of these candidates is on immigration within a certain range is not going to make or break my support for them because none of them is perfect and they're dealing with this horribly corrupt system already and kind of tweaking it in different ways. Um, I'm certainly not for protectionism of any kind or any interference with a free market and bringing in productive people. Uh, Not, not at all. But when we're trying to judge, you know, kind of what's possible of a candidate and what we have to choose from amongst all these candidates, I don't know that that would, alone make me not support Cruz. That's all. I see. So yeah, on the free market issue, um, the only thing I'll say is it's not as bad as many people perceive it to be because you can always change uh, employment. So, you know, if you're, if you're not right. happy with the employer, just, just change it, yeah. Um, as far as, you know, it being a deal breaker, yeah. See, I, I mean, I would be hard-pressed to identify what's a worse uh, piece of legislation for the economy, Obamacare or this H one B restriction. I wow. really think it's okay. really, really okay. bad. Yeah. So okay. um yeah, I mean and you know the other thing is, you know, what does it do to your sense of America? I mean, this was a place that was supposed to be a land of opportunity, right? So people mm-hmm. would come here, make something of their lives and 
I mean, these are conservatives. I mean, isn't, isn't that one of the ideas that you want to sort of conserve, that historically this place has been a place where you go, you you know, you make something of yourself, it's open to you if you really want to just Yeah, I mean, know, it's, make it's, something it's really weird because it, it, it is, it's a reversal of what his position has been in the past, as I understood exactly. it. I thought that he was always more oh. open for this type of immigration. Um, Actually, you know what, uh, Amy, on that issue, you should listen to his interview with Laura Ingram. I would, I'll send you a link to that. So in okay. that in that interview, he basically what he says is in 2013 when they had this huge debate about I believe it was about amnesty, this is which is when all these immigration related issues came up. So Cruz proposed doubling the number of legal immigrants and increasing the H-1B cap by fivefold. So he said he did that uh, back in 2013 as a gimmick. It wasn't a sincere proposal. This is, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not, um, this, this is not my words. That's exactly what he said. Well, he didn't say it was a gimmick, but effectively that's what he said. Like he did it to embarrass the, you know, the people on the other side of the argument to kind of like expose them. That was his intention. Okay, so that, that was part of that political proposal. Okay, I understand. Right, now. I mean, he, did, he didn't really care for okay. legal immigration as such. He was just trying to embarrass the other guys. And this is well, like his so like, uh, interview so like with Laura Inger. What we then have to fall back on is this issue of free speech and say, look, Cruz, you know, you have been in so many other areas a proponent of free markets, and why are you doing this here? Now, Ed in the chat right. room is bringing up uh, Ed, Ed in the chat room is bringing up something in critique, and I'll give you a chance to answer. He says, um, from a legal perspective, yes, the H-1B visa holder can change jobs. However, he says. An employer is allowed to make the prospective employee sign a contract before coming to the U.S. that he would not be allowed to change jobs. Have you heard of that happening? Yeah, but then you wouldn't take that job. I mean, it's not like you're running out of jobs. There's lots of jobs and there aren't enough people. So, you know, uh, until, I mean, until I'm, until I'm the- on S&B. And, you know, if, some, if someone made me sign such a ridiculous contract, I wouldn't take that employment. So Right. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, well, congratulations on getting another job, Pratik. And uh, and thanks for calling in and, and telling us about this issue. And, yeah, I think it is definitely concerning. And, you know, it, it is, it's hard to make it a decision, like I said, on all these different issues. Um, if, if it's going to be as destructive as Obamacare on the economy, and I could, I could see where the concern would lie uh, with respect yeah, to that. Yeah, the tech sector is the one sector that's been growing and that's, Kind of like carrying the whole economy on its back. So mm-hmm. you know, if you if you break that if you break that portion of the economy, then you know that's a pretty big handicap. Hmm. Well, we're going to have to. If uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get an interview with Cruz, especially now because he's so big and so popular. But if I ever did, then sure. that would be another thing that I would press him on. So thanks very much, Pratik. I better go because I've got only four minutes left, and I wanted to at least go through. Some of the other issues, I think I was able to, in my conversations with everyone, sort of highlight all the things that I wanted to talk about with respect to the debate itself. Um, I've got a few kind of separate stories that you can go take a look at at the blog at DontLetItGo.com. One is the love affair between Trump and Putin. Oh, it's so cute. So you could check that out. Uh, Of course, there is the omnibus spending bill, $1.1 trillion passed by the House, 316 to 113. Pathetic that it was shoved through by Ryan. It also includes, I believe, significant curbing of privacy. So everyone's back to, you know, Snowden never happened. 
And there's something shoved in there as well to uh, basically restrict our privacy further, give the house more. Um, Rob in the chat room was saying cute, the the love affair. Uh, Obviously, I'm being a a little sarcastic here between Putin and Trump. Um, As part of the $1.1 trillion, there is $1.6 billion to resettle illegal immigrants arriving at the border through 2018. And I understand that also sandwiched in there somewhere is some sort of modification to Obamacare that many argue will have the effect of entrenching Obamacare and making it harder to repeal. So that's disgusting. As I understand in the Senate, there's a version of this same spending bill and um, that McConnell shut off all public debate about it. So there's that. Uh, Check out the story about the San Bernardino shooters buried in a quiet funeral following Islamic rituals. And I I agree with Bosch there that that is basically our government by allowing this, showing that there is this connection. Um, Adam Wadolski sent me a good news story. There are some new Muslim groups that are rejecting care as uh, as representing them. So check that out. And then finally, um, there is a story from Azem, um, and he's got Ted Cruz out there saying that the Republicans in Congress are surrendering to Obama and decrying this $1.1 trillion spending bill. So you've got to give it to Cruz. He is out there solidly fighting this establishment every day, As even though, like I say, we'll disagree with him on some issues, but he is anti-establishment, and for him it is not just instinct or some sort of knee jerk, you know, trying to get press like what Trump does. So anyway, that's my show. I am, I'm not sure if I'm going to be here next week because it is on Christmas, right? But maybe on New Year's Day. So I I think we're going to miss next Friday and then I'll see you in two weeks. Continue the discussion at the blog, don'tletitgo.com. And I'll talk to you in 2016. Take care.